Hi guys, this is Jack Grimmer and you're listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello, well as football matches drop like flies as the Covid cases rise again. At the time of recording, Fulham's match with Sheffield United will go ahead as planned on Monday evening. It's a difficult time for everyone as new rules are brought into play, but Christmas isn't Christmas without football, so fingers crossed it's brought under control ASAP. Speaking of COVID, we're joined by a man who is suffering with that very thing at the moment. It's Sky Sports EFL editor Simeon Golem, plus we have your regulars Wigo and Morgs as we look ahead to the Sheffield United game and the other festive fixtures too. My name is Matt Boisclair and this is your Fulham Focus Podcast. Fulham. Right, before we crack on, just a little bit of housekeeping. This is the penultimate show of the year as we'll take a break from recording the show as we usually do at this time of year. We'll record a Sheffield United match reaction next week and we'll then break until the Swansea game where we'll get a reaction out a day or two after the game. All right, Simeon, how you doing, mate? Sorry to hear you got the dreaded lurgy. Yeah, me and everyone else in London, it seems, at that moment. Um, Fulham, obviously, seems to be the only London club that haven't had to cancel one of their games recently with COVID as well, so we can only hope that that stays on on Monday night. But yeah, day three in isolation, slowly starting to lose the will to live. So thanks for having me on to have something to do this evening, because otherwise, it's just nice to talk to people, you know? Yeah. It's been a yeah. while, so... Oh, yeah. Everyone getting getting COVID again. Merry fucking Christmas, eh? Yeah. Um, Morgs, you all right, mate? Yeah, I'm fine, which is, you know, I am in London. Uh, slightly worried that probably won't be in just in time for Christmas at this rate. Uh, so I'm uh, battening down the hatches and waiting for it to uh, basically yeah, go don't away. Don't blame you. And how about you, Wigo? How are you doing? Yeah, all good, mate. It's just got to my sort of age for the booster jab as well, so I've booked my third dose. Well, uh, Twelve to fifteen. So I'm doing all right. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's the one. You love that category as well, didn't you, Morgs? So, <laughs> all right, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> I want to start by talking about Alexander Mitrovic, who's been named the PFA Virtue Motors Fans Player of the Month for November, which I believe is voted for by the fans. This makes him the first player to ever win the award in three consecutive months. Now, I don't want to take anything away from Mitro, of course, but he only played in four of Fulham's five games in November, scored three goals, but probably wasn't his greatest month ever, was it? No, that was uh, October and September yeah. before that. So uh, I think, I don't know, I mean, I'm not quite sure what would have got him over the line on that one for that month. I think perhaps... Lazy you know, well, yeah, potentially, or just all Fulham voters. It's like at yeah. the time when sort of um, Arsenal fans kept sort of swinging goal of the month. Um, so perhaps we've got that sort of that edge because we've got slightly larger fan base than other teams. Um, I can't imagine too many other teams' fans were voting for Metro given that form. But, you know, I'm sure he'll take it and he'll, uh, you know, he'll uh, hopefully use it to sort of uh, get a few more goals because obviously he's dried up a bit of late. So with only one in one. <laughs> yeah, one in one. Well, Simeon, you, you see more of the championship than we do as a whole. Do you think that's a deserved award? Yeah. Was that a poll that might have been hijacked by Fulham fans? I'm not entirely convinced he was the best player ever. It might have been a lazy voting instead. It's always a strange one, these fan votes, because obviously vote for by the fans has as much credentials as any kind of panel or anything like that. I won't deny that. But it can be 
a case of it just gets picked up upon by one group of fans who share it around the forums and it kind of just is done like that. I mean, you can, there have been times where, where we've run kind of goal of the month votes with Skybet and Sky and stuff where you can pretty much guarantee, especially in League One and Two, if there is one particular club in it, they will win every vote possible because it's just, that is just what happens. But yeah, I mean, he's still the best player in the championship. So best play, to, I mean, fair play to him. <laughs> he deserves it. He deserves every report that he gets. Maybe it was Serbia fans as well, buzzing after what he did for them and getting them to the World Cup. You never know. We had There was a strange one a couple of years ago when we used to run this sort of part through Sky where Kamil Grzycki won it because it got picked up when he played for, I can't remember where he was in the Premier League at the time. But yeah, he got it got picked up by a lot of Polish fans and he got voted player of the month when he only got like one goal and one assist or something strange like that where everyone, it, it just, it literally just happened out of absolutely nowhere. So yeah, Fan votes can just go whichever way they can go, really, depending on where they end up. So you're probably you're probably very right about the Serbian thing because they said they. I mean, he's basically uh, about to receive a um, uh, a sainthood, I think, in Serbia at the moment. Is um, you know everything you see so many comments on Twitter from you know the Serbian accounts and stuff on him, and just obviously getting into the World Cup. You know he he's he's got the freedom of Serbia at the moment, so I think he'll mm. uh, anything where his name pops up. Uh, they'll be voting on mass for him. So you're probably right. He'll probably win the next. He probably won't play any games next month, and we'll still win it. <laughs> Morgan's daughter's just appeared. What, what is Eva? Isn't it? What does Eva think about Mitrovic? Eva, do you like Alexander Mitrovic? Yeah. <laughs> she, she's nodding. <laughs> and Eva, tell everyone who do you support? Do you support Fulham? Yes, good girl. Nodding, nodding away. That's yeah. good enough. That's good enough. That's what, yeah. <laughs> Wigo, how, how about you, mate? What, what did you think of the uh, the award? Well, fair play to him. I, he's, you know, he's obviously the best striker in the world, so <laughs> entirely deserved. Um, you know, obviously it was interesting because you know he still missed he missed a game. He still scored three goals this month. Um, I suppose if you look at it, who really had an amazing November? I, off the top of my head, I can't really name a team. You know, Bournemouth had an absolute shocker. We beat Blackburn 7-0 and they're third, you know. So, it, you know, if you're looking at anyone, Mitrovic is going to be kind of an obvious choice. And, yeah, the Serbian factor definitely does have an impact, I think. Um, you know, when you've got a hero like that playing in the league, uh, you're always going to gain a few more fans from Serbia. So, fantastic. This yeah, uh, might be a banned word on this podcast, but QPR, they won, they swept the Skybet Awards. Um, for us, Chris Willock won Player of the Month, the, the Championship one, and uh, Warburton won Management. But again, it was a strange month. Normally, it's pretty obvious who's going to win these things. It's just whoever scored the most goals and whichever managers won the most games. But yeah, that's why the fan one can be a little bit different sometimes. Chris who? Never fucking heard of him, mate. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Um, so for us, it's been four draws in a row. It's far from panic stations. And let's not forget, we are unbeaten in 11 matches. This talk that we aren't creating like we were earlier in the season, and admittedly some of that talk was from me on the last podcast, but perhaps that's a little bit hasty given how, how well we played against Bournemouth, for example. So, lads, what, what do we need to do to get back to winning ways, in your opinion? What's, what's, what's been missing in the last few games? I think uh, sometimes you just lose a bit of edge uh, or teams find out how you're playing and are able to stifle you uh, in certain ways. I think against Luton... You know, there was a case where you know we were lucky not to concede a couple of times, um, and we just weren't putting our chances away either. 
uh, obviously there was also the incident with the penalty. Was it? Wasn't it? I mean, it definitely looked like a handball. Um, you know, a bit of the rub of the green. It's always useful. And especially in these long seasons where you are having sort of, you know, fast and furious games, uh, it's very much a case of you do need a bit of luck. And I think in the next few weeks over the sort of Christmas New Year period, we definitely will need some. Uh, the fact we're still unbeaten in these 11 games is great. But yeah, we do need to start, you know, just creating a few more chances, getting a, um, getting a few more goals, obviously, and just making sure that we uh, get a few more clean sheets than we've been recently. Yeah, I think you, you summed it up pretty well there, Morgs. Um, we've definitely sort of been figured out a little bit, I think. Certainly at the back, you know, all right, we've only, con- you know, we're conceding one goal a game in uh, those games, you know, Preston, Bournemouth and Luton. But it still feels like we're uh, leaking a, a little bit more. Um, you know, the team, are get- the opposition are getting in behind us a little bit more. You look at that goal for Bournemouth. I mean, I don't think anyone would have stopped that. It was a typical sort of training ground FIFA glitch, I suppose, really, you could call it. Um, but I think we're definitely getting figured out. And going forward, we just can't put the ball away enough, really. It, I'm not worried, of course, but, you know, when you go four games without a win, you know, the next uncertainty is like, you know, we need to start picking up wins now because with a t- with Bournemouth going through the bad patch that they have been, ideally you want to be sailing away in the distance now, which we should be, really. We should have beaten them by absolute miles. So, you know, we should be preparing for the Premier League right now, I think. <laughs> but uh, not the case yet. Simeon, what, what have you made of Fulham in the last few games? I'm, I'm assuming we were on Sky a couple of times against Preston away and then Bournemouth at home. Did you see those games? And what did, and if you did, what did you think was missing from Fulham's attack, which is, which yeah. is normally pretty good? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've seen them all. And it's you're going to have these little dips in a season. It's... It's obviously it's easier for me to reflect from as not a fan how these things are going because obviously suddenly panic stations kick in. But there's nothing wrong with a bit of reality check every so often, a realisation that you can't just keep playing the same way the whole season, expect teams not to work it out, not to coach themselves against you. I mean, we've seen, for example, West Brom first five or six games of the season blew everyone away with the way they were playing and then teams cotton on and work it out. And you had it as well where you started really well, then you had that dip and then you kind of went up again. And you can't expect teams just to keep not trying to find ways to stop what you're doing. It's just as simple as that. And teams have, to some extent, found ways to do that, particularly the Preston game where, I mean, the equaliser was a bit iffy, but they sort of the second half, they could have easily gone on to win that game with other chances than this and that and the other. And it's just about how Marco Silva can find ways around that, essentially find different ways to stop that, especially if, I mean, Mitrovic isn't scoring two or three a game, if you have started leaking sort of one or two goals, obviously the Bournemouth goal you mentioned as well, which was just a bit mad. That was another game you should have won. But then these things can be so easily skewed. If you win your next game, it's unbeaten in five. If you lose your next game, it's no wins in five. Like, you know what I mean? So it's just about the way you look at it. The main thing you need to remember is you're still top of the table. The gap is closing to West Brom. Obviously, that is a bit of a concern, but it's nothing to worry about at this stage, four draws in a row, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I agree. I mentioned having one eye on the 23-game unbeaten run a couple of weeks ago, given that we are now 11 games unbeaten already. I had to go back and check that run, and we actually won 18 of those games, drawing five, which is an absolutely astonishing record, isn't it? It was a great time, but I must admit, the reason I went back and checked it is because I'd hoped that we'd drawn a few more games so that I could use that to just settle everybody's nerves and set everyone's expectations and, and minds at ease, the fact that we've drawn four in a row. 
But even still, if drawing four in a row is our sticky patch, then then it's more than okay, Wigo, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, if you look ahead and you say we're going to go on a massive winning streak, yeah, we had that sticky patch November, December time, and we drew four in a row. You'd be like, oh, well, you know, we learned from it, we built on it, and we went and started winning games again. I would not care at all. I would be absolutely fine with it. Um, you know, the way you've got to look at it is that there's still draws. That's still four points on the board. We could have lost four in a row. Then I would be getting a little bit worried. Um, but, yeah, I, I, you say we won 18 games out of 23. I can't believe it. I, for some reason, I just assumed that we drew a lot more than that. Same. Yeah, um, me too. That's, that's, that's absolutely that's astonishing. Um but yeah, fantastic. I mean, you don't know we could go up to twenty-three games this time and only draw one more game in that sort of in the next twelve games. Fingers crossed. Um, you know, we just gotta see how we play on Monday and then try and build on that. So uh yeah, it's all right at the moment. Nothing to worry about really. I really don't think it's anything to worry about because of the the quality that we've got in that final third. Defensively we're fine. We we're gonna concede the odd goal here or there. Uh, here and there and you know Harry Wilson Bobby Reed, Cabano Mitrovic Carvalho then you've got Tom Kearney as well I mean if if those players can't undo some defenses uh, at this level then you know I, I don't know who can so I, I I just think it's a matter of time before the before the good performances and, and the wins start to come again I, I really do um one of the 23 games we won in the 2017-18 uh season was against Monday evening's opponent Sheffield United Two goals from Mitro and one from Kearney saw them off 3-0 at Craven Cottage. We'd certainly take that this time again to get things heading back in the right direction, wouldn't we, Morse? For sure. I mean, you know, any any win against them would be great in uh, in this case. I think, especially because they've got, they're still going through that new manager bounce. Um, obviously, Sabisa getting fired after winning a game was a little bit uh, modern day uh, football management for you, I guess. Um, but Paul Heckingbottom's come in. He, I don't know what he's done there, but obviously he's got them playing in a way that's uh, making them a bit harder to beat. Um, and I think, you know, as long as we go out with our game plan and just sort of make sure we're a little bit more clinical than we have been of late, we should get the win against them. I mean, we're a better team. We've got a better squad. Um, you know, it's just... Obviously, with these things, you never know how they're going to pan out. So, I think even if we snuck it by a cheeky goal, I think that I'd be you know more than happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think most of us had most of us had one eye on this game, didn't we? Hoping that it would be the return of Slavisa Djukanovic leading Sheffield United out of the cottage. But as you say, unfortunately, he was booted out at Bramall Lane after a disappointing start to the season with the Blades sat in 16th place in the Championship. He did go out with a bang with his last game in charge being a 1-0 win away at Reading. But given the attacking players Sheffield United have at their disposal, I'm really surprised it didn't work out for him. I really thought that that was, that was a good match. And I thought they would be right at the, at the top of the table under Slav. So, Sim, Simeon, what do you make of Sheffield United this season? What have you, what have you made of the fact that they, they've started slowly and they've sat their manager already? I think the the thing that went wrong for them straight away was that they were the team I tipped to win the championship at the start of the season. So that's probably what's cursed <laughs> them because I have a I have a, a dreadful record of that at the beginning of the season. And then you look back a couple of months later and you think, what was I thinking? And then you realise just that's this league. It's just impossible to predict. Um, it was a strange one because, as you said, with the squad they have, the players they have, and obviously Slab's record in the championship, it just seems such a perfect match in a way. 
But then when you actually sort of, what I probably didn't take into account enough was how sort of low morale would have been after last season in the Premier League. The fact that the squad is it's hard taking it's rare now to take over from a manager who's been there for as long as Chris Wilder was. Obviously, there was the hecking bottom bit in between, but in terms of how drilled that squad was, in terms of what Wilder wanted to do, he signed players for his system, which is a system that no one in no one in English football has ever played. And then he tried to bring in his sort of system straight away. And from pretty early on, it didn't look like a very comfortable fit. There was obviously problems with how much money he got to spend because obviously money had been wasted the year before and this and that and the other. And it, it it didn't look right from pretty early on. And to be honest, when he got sacked, it wasn't a huge surprise even after a win because it just didn't look like a comfortable fit from top to bottom in that club. Paul Heckingbottom probably more willing to, you don't want to use the phrase company man, but bit of a company man in terms of what the club are after, which is why he's been given such an incredibly long contract there, which is bizarre in itself. But yeah, it is a real shame that that won't happen again. But Slavisa, he's not going to struggle to find another job at this level the next time a club goes looking, are they? So to be fair. So, yeah. I think I think one of the things we have to remember um, is that, you know, Slavisa's first season and a half with us was pretty terrible. Um, he got given a lot of time. Uh, to get it right, because obviously we're coming out the we're coming out the back end of uh, the Magat sort of reign. Simons came in, steadied the ship, but I mean, when he took us over, I mean, we were you know dicing with relegation, and it wasn't an easy position to uh, get us out of. Um, we almost obviously we almost did go down in the end, um, but it was a matter of giving him time to fix things, and we did. And whilst the relationship between him and Khan may not have been as um, smooth as you know you'd hope at these things, um, he he was given the sort of like uh, the chance to make sure that he uh, could get the best out of the team. And unfortunately, with Sheffield United, new owner came in last year, you know, Middle Eastern owner, and unfortunately, they just have a bit of a, um, a habit of being a bit trigger happy with their managers. And again, it proved this time around. Had he been given the whole season, then perhaps he would have got them, you know, steadied them in mid-table and then been able to build on something of, you know, with his own team next year. But obviously, in this day and age, it's a very rare occurrence that a bad start isn't uh, met with a, a firing. I think the problem is as well, when you've got owners that don't want to spend money, you're going to struggle. And I think Sheffield United have got an ageing squad now, that might sound harsh, but if you look at the players they're relying on, you know, likes of Billy Sharp to get their goals and David McGoldrick, you know, they're both in their mid-30s now. John Fleck, Holly Norwood, they're not getting any younger. You know, John Egan isn't either. So, George Baldock, Ender Stevens, they've been there years. They've got experience, fine. But, you know, the older they get, the slower they get. And I just think Sheffield United were just getting completely outrun, outpaced, outthought. And as you said, Simeon, it's a Chris Wilder team playing under a different manager. Um, it kind of reminds me of when I, w- I watched the Crystal Palace documentary on Amazon and it reminds me of Ian Holloway going into Dougie Friedman's team and they were, do you remember what I mean, Frenchie? Yeah. You know, they were so used to that system and drilled towards that system that playing anything else wouldn't work. And I think that's what's happened for Slav. But that Ian, combina- Ian, Holloway, Ian Holloway held his hands up halfway through, didn't he? Because yeah. I think uh, Palace, were they top of the league when Friedman left mm. to go to Bolton? And then, um, then Ian Holloway tried to change things around a bit and eventually had to hold his hands up and say, actually, carry on doing it the way you were doing it because this just isn't working. But you're never going to get that from Slav. He's, he's too hard-nosed for that. Exactly. And I think that's what it is. And also, 
you know, Slav won't take any crap from the owners, I don't think, either. If I had someone like Paul Heckenbottom, he's not really been successful in his managerial career. He'll just do what the owners say. He's a yes man. Here you go. Here's four years. Here's whatever you want a week. We're going to give you nothing to spend in the transfer market. Take it and just get on with it. And I think that's what's happened here. I mean, it, it can be a lot about motivation as well from a Sheffield United angle. They're, we're talking about these players that have a lot of them have come up from League One to the Premier League. They've kind of they've they've lived the dream. They've done the rise. Can they then, after such a bad season in the Premier League under a new man, then rally to do it again? And it's at the moment it's looking like no, probably not. So Slav needed that time to get some new players and rebuild and shape it in a system he wanted. And he clearly wasn't going to get that time. And that's just why the fit wasn't there. The, the owners clearly wanted him to come in and do the job with the players that were there. And it just wasn't happening, quite frankly. And so the change needed to be made for someone who was willing to work with the squad that was already there. And Paul Heckingbottom wasn't going to not jump at the chance to take any job in the championship, quite frankly, because there weren't many offers other coming in after his last couple of jobs, particularly of Leeds in championship, which was an absolute disaster from start to finish. So, Yeah, Heckingbottom's been given a monster contract to replace Slav. He signed a deal that keeps him in the hot seat until 2026, which does really surprise me given you know how uh, how trigger happy clubs like Sheffield United can be but he's come in and he's got a, a good 2-0 win at home against Bristol City to start with and then won 3-2 away at Cardiff as well so he's only had two games so far because last Monday's match at QPR was postponed because QPR's squad is diminished due to covid uh, but we're going to have to try and quash the new manager bounce, aren't we? Even though he was actually the old manager at the end of last season too. So Morgs, how how do you see Fulham lining up for this one? I guess it would sort of, you know, looking at it, it's going to be you know, the Rodak. Uh, Rodak, obviously, goal. Tete, I think we're probably going to see Robinson back if he's fit. Um, he, wasn't, he wasn't playing. It was Brian at the weekend, wasn't it, I think? Um, and then uh, Reem and Tosin. Midfield. I didn't see the Luton game, so I don't didn't see how um, Kearney played. Um, but... You know, I would I would expect to see Reed back in there if he's fit with Surrey, um, and then looking at sort of uh, Wilson, Cabano, Mitro, and then a another at number ten. Now, could that be Cavallo again? Um, or would he come back into the team, or is it uh, going to be Bobby Reed? I don't know. I mean, it's we they've had a you know ten days off by that point, nine days off. Uh, and I think it gives them sort of, uh, you know, Silver a bit of a chance to play with a fresh squad, as long as no one's come down with the uh, with the COVID. So I would personally go with Cavallo. I think the young legs against a sort of fairly ageing Sheffield United team could be quite a good move. And, um, you know, having the energy of Serie Reid at the back could deal with any sort of attacking threat before it, hopefully, before they hit the, uh, our back line. Yeah, I've, I've, we've we've done this quite a bit recently. About is got a um, have we got a a best start in eleven, or have we got a start in eleven that we should use for different occasions, or do you just play the players who are in form? But I just think if Carvalho's fit, then you play Carvalho. It's, it's stupid not to. He's young, hungry. He's better than Bobby Reed in that position. He creates more than Bobby Reed. Bobby Reed's not a bad player, and at this level. You know, he'd, he'd get into most teams, but the fact of the matter is, we've got somebody who the likes of Liverpool, Manchester United, Real Madrid are sniffing round, um, and occasionally we're leaving him out. And I just, I, you, you should just play him. It's, it's ridiculous not to play him. So for me, for me, Carvalho plays. How, how about you, Wigo? Any, any 
thing to add there. No, I don't think I disagree there. Um, I mean, I'm not too. This might sound controversial, but uh, I think Tosin maybe could do with uh, maybe a drop. I don't know how he did against Luton. I like Morgs. I didn't really see it. I saw the first half. But I, I, I know since he came back in from suspension, he wasn't playing brilliantly compared to a Hector that was in the team that had won however many in a row. You know, kept a few clean sheets in a row. And all right, Tosin is a better player overall. Um, but because could Tosin do with a rest? Perhaps, but that Bournemouth game, you know, he scored the uh, equaliser, so it's a tricky one. Um, other than that, nothing really to disagree with, to be honest. All right, let's 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 come on to a score prediction for the game then. Simeon, how do you see this one going? I'm going to say Fulham back to winning ways. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on a Fulham podcast. I do genuinely think that the results under... Paul Heckingbottom so far don't really show me anything other than just a bit of maybe bounce. A couple of players that might have been unhappy with Slav and just the usual. So, yeah, Fulham for me, 3-1. Perfect. I'll take that. Morgs, how about you? I'm going to go with the, uh, I'm going to go with the steady 2-0. This one. Okay, brilliant. And we go? Uh, 2-1, I think. I think we might concede. All right. Well, I'll take the three points any which way they come from this one. Um, But I want to look ahead to the rest of the festive fixtures, given that, as I said, Fulham Focus will be down in tools after the Sheffield United Reaction Pod, which should be out next Wednesday, hopefully. Um, We've got a match against Birmingham on Boxing Day. Then we've got Reading away on the 29th and then Swansea away on January the 3rd. Birmingham are currently 15th in the championship and their recent form is particularly mixed. Reading are having a torrid time despite winning at the Cottage back in September. They sit in 21st place, while Swansea have lost their last three games at the time of rising and sit in 16th place, even though they dominate possession most weeks. So I'd like to know what all of you guys expect from these three games and how many points you expect Fulham to take. I'll come to you first, Simeon. Looking at those fixtures, obviously it's hard to know what form teams are going to be in by early January now, but those are all games that Fulham should be looking to win, like, realistically you should be looking to win most games in the championship to be honest so it's it's an easy thing to say you have the options now you've been debating who's going to start every sort of week now which is only a good thing we were talking earlier about the the winning run in the 17-18 season under Jukanovic and you could pretty much name 10 of those 11 players every week off the bat rather than I mean it was just pretty much the right wing slot wasn't it where you had a bit of rotation option the rest of them was the same so it's a good thing to have you have Bobby Reed, who is probably the perfect 12 man in terms of he can slot in here and there if you have a a gap of everything. So it's just about how Silver uses options. That is probably what he's looking at in terms of Carvalho coming in and out a bit because obviously the injury and stuff and he knows these games are coming up in the championship. It's so cliche, but it's a marathon, not a sprint. You're not going to win every week. You just have to get enough points to go over the line and build that gap. And Christmas is an essential time for that. So yeah, you'll go into every game as the favourite. You probably won't win every single one, but I'd be surprised if you didn't come out of it unbeaten at least with more wins than draws as well. We've got to be looking at three wins. From those games, you know, it they're games against teams lower down the table. All right, I'm totally surprised to see Swansea as low down as that. Last time I looked at the table, they were near the playoffs, so uh, they've had a right drop off. So they're definitely there for the taking. As Simeon says, we don't know, you know, they might have won three games in a row by that point. Um, but we're definitely a better side than them. We have to have to have to take three wins here and you know, stay top of the league. Um, keep the others behind us and just set the pace really so 
I can't remember who it was. There was some bell end on on Sky the other day. No offense, Simeon. Um, saying <laughs> saying that um, that Swansea are the best footballing team in the league. But the best footballing team in the league don't sit in sixteenth position. The best footballing team in the league sit top of the league. We've we've got a far superior goal difference to everybody else, and that's what football's about, right? It's not about boring the shit out of people, tap tap tapping the ball back and forth. It's about sticking the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, I mean, I'm very much a pro any way to get the ball in the back of the net kind of football fan enthusiast. I don't really, it doesn't really bother me how you get the ball there. And obviously all these videos circulate of the Swansea way and these kind of three minute, 155 pass moves, which is all well and good. It it looks very nice. And sometimes when it works, it can lead to beautiful goals. But sometimes you do just have to kind of go a bit more direct if you have the option to, but that's the way they want to play. Fair play to them. They've got a very good, Joel Piero is a very good striker. He's, He's doing very well for them. There'll be eyes on him in January, I'm sure. But yeah, that it's but Fulham can play that way, and you've got strengths in other departments. So it's kind of almost the perfect game for you guys in terms of the Swansea game, in terms of the team you want to play, because they will try and play. And there are times where you can outplay them, and you can also outmuscle them and outhustle them as well. So it's it's perfect, really. I mean, it's all well and good the 155 passes in three minutes. I mean, we had that under Parker, and they're generally yeah. an average of about six feet between them. Um, <laughs> but I thought, you know, I'm a big fan of the. Um, three passes in about 15 seconds and in the back of the net approach. Uh, like the Bournemouth goal, you mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Big fan yeah. of the Bournemouth goal. Yeah, 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 yeah. it was brilliant. Uh, I, I wish get the manager in, he was brilliant. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, you're looking at those games, you, we've got to be beating Birmingham Boxing Day. I mean, there's nothing, you know, you don't go to the college on uh, just after Christmas and not win. Um Reading away, obviously we're all going to be there, and we want to, you know, enjoy that day. Um, and as long as they don't all sort of, you know, continue getting COVID, then hopefully we will actually have a game to go and see. But you know, they might not have, you know, fully recovered from it, as we all know it can actually sort of having a few lasting effects on on the old lungs and the fitness. Um, and in terms of the Swansea game, I mean, my girlfriend's a Swansea fan, so I really hope we win and really win well, um, <laughs> just because you know I want to be able to lord it over. <laughs> <laughs> no innuendo intended there, I'm sure. <laughs> My daughter's in the room. Absolutely not. <laughs> All right, so let's, let's come on to how many points do you expect us to take? So the four games, Sheffield United at home, Birmingham at home, Reading away, Swansea away, Morgs, there's a potential 12 points. How many are we taking? I'm going to be optimistic and say 10. I think we'll draw one of those games. I'm just not sure which one. Okay, brilliant. Simeon, what do you reckon? We'll say 10 unexpected drop points against Birmingham. Sorry to ruin your guys' Christmas. That's fine. No, I'll take that. I'll definitely take take 10 from those games. And and, um, we go? 12 points, 12 goals. Easy. 12 points, 12 goals. 12 days of Christmas. We go's been drinking. Exactly. (laughs) Lots of 12. And and he Phantom, mate. We're all good. I was going to say, you've overdone it on the Phantom, mate. You need to go and have a lie down. Um, right, so again, I was I was looking at these fixtures: Sheffield United at home, Birmingham at home, Reading away, Swansea away. Then I was looking at who did Bournemouth have. So Bournemouth have got Middlesbrough away Saturday lunchtime. Then they've got QPR away, Cardiff at home, and Peterborough at home. Whilst West Brom have got Barnsley away, Derby away, Preston at home, and Cardiff at home. And I I just feel like I mean I was just picking West Brom because I think. They're the nearest challengers at the moment. I know Blackburn are sniffing around, but I don't. I think Blackburn are going to drop off. 
I really do. I think um, they're going to end up losing Brereson Diaz in January because he's out of contract in the summer and they're going to have to make a decision on whether or not they cash in on his form. And personally, I think they will. So I'm, I'm discounting Blackburn. So West Brom, Barnsley away, Derby away, Preston at home, Cardiff at home. I feel like we've got the least harsh fixtures out of those three at the moment. Would you guys agree? I think um, I th- the, the one, uh, you know, for... Bournemouth, did you say it was Cardiff at home? And who was the other one at home? Uh, Bournemouth, Borough away, QPR away, Cardiff and Peterborough at home. Okay, I think obviously QPR away is going to be hard. Middlesbrough away is going to be a tricky one. Uh, Chris Wilder's got them playing quite, well, Chris Wilder-esque already. Um, So they're going to be hard to beat. I think they they won't get three points from either of those two away games. Uh, They should win the, um, the home games though, I think. But obviously... Given our score production predictions, uh, that will stretch our lead quite handsomely. The West Brom run would worry me a bit because that is the kind of fixture list where they could very easily pick up four wins in a row and just kind of batter their way through Christmas and then really, really be on your tails by the new year. But you just you don't know. I mean, again, it doesn't sound that different to the last four games that you guys have drawn. So it's just it's so hard to predict what's going to happen. That you just have to kind of watch it play out a little bit. I agree with what you said about Blackburn. I don't think they'll be... They've been brilliant, but they're winning games against what some of the data suggests they maybe should in certain games, which is brilliant for them. I mean, they're, they're exceeding expectations just by being in the top six, to be honest. The top six would be an unbelievable season for them. I don't think they've got the quality in the squad to last the course and distance this season. It will be between Fulham, Bournemouth and West Brom, I think, for those two spots. And I think, to be honest, it will be between Bournemouth and West Brom with you guys winning the league. But we just have to see what happens. I I agree. And the Blackburn fans were kind of on Tony Mowbray's back a little bit, I think, before we went up there and won 7-0. So I was surprised he survived that. But fair play to him and fair play to Blackburn. They bounced back from that. And I think they've won every single game since that, haven't they? So that's probably just ignited some some fire in their um in in the players bellies and yeah they they've just bounced back from that what do you think Wigo? i think you know if you're looking at it from a league table perspective obviously west brom have got derby away and barnsley away but us and bournemouth know that derby and is not an easy game you know derby beat bournemouth at their place they come to craven cottage and managed to get a nil nil take a point uh, back home with them. So that will be a really tough game for West Brom. Um, I watched West Brom at Coventry the other week and West Brom definitely looked a completely different side to how they have recently. Um, actually looked like they were playing some proper football. Um, you know, they were managing to put the ball in the net. Again, you know, Coventry have been really good this year at home as well. So mm. no easy no easy game for them. So fair play to them for that. And yeah, they'll be, they'll be up there at the end of the season. I, personally, Try not to sound biased, but they're nowhere near as good as us in terms of footballing quality, tactical quality. They're nowhere near us, in my opinion. Um, we should be miles ahead of them come the end of the season. So, looking at it now, you know, New Year period, December into January, still plenty of time left. Even if they do win all four games, I think by the end of the season, we'll be way ahead of them. The thing is, as well, this is an important time because you want to you want to go into Christmas and come out the other side of it, and through January you want to be you want to have a bit of a gap because then you're a more attractive proposition to bring players in in January potentially with the view to next season as well. I, th- I think we may be quite busy in January in strengthening the squad, 
and I, I don't know which areas will be will be targeted. Maybe maybe striker and, and centre back to begin with, because I think midfield's okay at the moment. But you know, if if it's a bit tighter and players might look at that and think, well, I'm not sure if they're going to be in the Premier League next season, so I'm not sure. Whereas if we're you know if we're ten points clear uh, of second in the middle of January, then then potential suitors or potential players will have a look at that and think, do you know what, I'll go and join because it's going to be Premier League for me next season. I can definitely see us dipping into the loan-to-buy market in January for that sort of eventuality of, you know, if we do get in the Premier League, then the obligation to buy is there. And also, we've got to look at the fact we need to get through these games unscathed because we've, we're losing Seri in January and, you know, he's been our best centre midfielder this season. So, can we replace him? Yeah, absolutely. We've got the quality to replace him. Fine. But, uh, you know, we just need someone to step up, take the games by the scruff of the neck and, uh, yeah, step up while he's gone. I, I'm not sure we'll really um, spend that much in the... or I don't think we'll do too much business in the um, January market because we haven't really got that many slots available um, for uh, our 25-man squad. Um, we've already had to sort of cut a couple of players out. I mean, you know, Fabry couldn't even get himself a place in the squad. So... You know, if he can't get a place, then we must be sort of a bit slim. Um, but we may, I, I, my, you know, what I would think we might actually sort of look at players who are Premiership, well, Premier League quality in the Championship potentially and make uh, offers them if their contract's running out in the season. Brereton Diaz, whatever his name is, uh, possibly being one of those options. Um, I could see us making a bid for him. Um, potentially and obviously if we were in the position we are now you'd probably jump at the chance Blackburn would need to sell him for some money because otherwise they'll lose him for nothing and but otherwise I can't see us doing too much I mean you know we've got we play a, a one striker system Mitro's not going anywhere <clears throat> Moon is has you know done okay when he's played um, in terms of defence I can't see a strength in there because we've got essentially four capable centre-backs um, and Dennis Adoy if he needs to slot in um, so there's no. I think we're such a well balanced squad that there won't be too much uh, too much happening then. What do you reckon, Simeon? Brereton Diaz to Fulham. I think anything you need to do in terms of strengthening the squad needs to finally have some sort of foresight for if and when you get promoted. You need to assume that you're going to go up and do some business for players that are actually going to genuinely strengthen you once you get to the Premier League, one, rather than worrying about the next few months because. As we've seen the last couple of times Fulham have gone up, it's been a bit of a mess in two very different ways in terms of how you've gone about your business. So obviously that's in part due to the fact you've gone up through the playoffs as well, which leaves you with less time. But that needs to start being some proper kind of forward planning strategy with the club. Because, you, I mean, you've start, you spent good money on Harry Wilson in the summer. One of the few clubs in the Championship to spend money. I'm sure you've heard plenty of that on the forums and on social media and stuff. I'm sure you're very familiar with it. But... Again, there are question marks over someone like Harry Wilson in terms of how good he can be in the Premier League from what we've seen in the past. So you do wonder if you just do need, are you going to spend all your money on a player who are going to guarantee a promotion you probably would or get anyway or actually start thinking about the long-term planning and strategy for the club? That's what I'd be looking at. That's what I'd be worried about rather than just a couple of players to maybe pad out a squad that doesn't really need padding out to win the championship. All right. Um uh... Definitely food for thought there, I think. Um, the uh, the January, January is going to be very interesting this time around, I think. That's for sure. That's your lot for this time. Simeon, thanks for coming on again, mate. I hope you recover very soon. Have a good Christmas. 
Cheers. Thanks for having me. I'm hoping to be out of isolation before Christmas as things stand. So fingers yeah. crossed for you, mate. Fingers Long crossed. Way to go, though, but... Morgs and Wigo. See you Monday. You both going on Monday? Or Morgs, are you uh, you hanging back just in case for Christmas? Uh undecided as of yet. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'll, I'll watch enough. it regardless, but yeah, whether it's uh, surrounded by people, I don't know yet. Fair enough. I'll be there. Of course, I'll be there. COVID pass at the ready. Getting to the ground 35 minutes gone of the game. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, excite, <laughs> yeah. excited. I'll get in and grab me half-time pint while I'm, uh, while, as I'm going in. Might <laughs> yeah. as well. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, don't forget to get there in plenty of time. Don't forget your COVID passport. Don't forget your photo ID. Don't forget your ticket. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back on Wednesday next week with all the fallout from the game. So Merry Christmas and speed you then. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>